0: on everybody welcome back to the going the distance podcast presented by immaculate sports.com twitter's out of max sports instagram is also at a max sports tiktok youtube immaculate sports episode 168 an action-packed episode because we got a lot of sports going on at the same time man our usual nfl are they dead top fives mvp a little bit of basketball a little bit of college football big week and baseball, even though it's supposed to be free agency time, we're doing something a little different, Kyle.
1: We got our Hall of Fame ballot. Something oh, yeah. I think we might have done last year. I'm not too sure. Uh, but it's a weird year for about a lot of first year guys on it that aren't first balloters, but might be guys that sneak in later mm-hmm. on into their tenure on the ballot, but. We'll go over that about halfway through the episode, and then we also got to talk about basketball a little bit at the end. But getting right into it, we'll go into our opener. And my opener is going to be a couple things, the first of which is the game that we saw in Philly over this past weekend between the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles, which the Phillies won. Or not the Phillies. The Eagles won 37-34 to 34 in overtime, and which was pretty much a must-win game for the Bills. And it seemed like they had it for a while Uh, until their offense kind of stalled out, and Philly really started to get it going in the second half. They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, uh, went into overtime, tied at 31, of course. Bills got the ball first, scored three points on a field goal, and then town came Philly, marched right down the field, and ended up scoring a touchdown to win the game. I mean, this... This is a great game, and we haven't had a ton of great games, unfortunately, so far into the NFL season. And getting to see one of these high-scoring, action-packed game in the rain—not nighttime, but kind of nighttime—since it's on the East Coast—was a really fun one to watch. Uh, and then the second one is that there's a new independent league baseball team that oh, came yeah. out today. And it's a team in Oakland. They'll be playing at Laney College. It's the Oakland Ballers, which I think is honestly one of the worst names that you could have came up with. I, I know they're trying to be the Bees, and that's mm-hmm. like their, you know, idea behind the name. But you got to do something a bit more original than the Ballers. Uh, I know a lot of people from Oakland are happy about that. We'll see how much attention they really end up getting from us, because obviously we don't really talk about independent league baseball ever. But, I mean, there's been some decent players that have, you know, spent time in the independent league at some point in their career. This is going to be the first team on the West Coast in the independent league, and they start playing next year. So we'll see how that shapes up. But that's good for Oakland, man. I, it's a weird way how to look at things.
0: Yeah, I guess the uh, the goal for the Oakland Bees would be to prove, after a couple years of indie ball getting some decent crowds, that, it's possible to have a minor league or even major league baseball team in the future, uh, which of course, that's, that's where we are, man, Bay area. So respect, but uh, real quick, my opener, some college football, Cal and UCLA was actually not the most entertaining game. Cal blew him out 33 to seven chip Kelly, somehow keeping his job, not a lot of NFL talent on the field, but it was the last regular season game of the pac 12 lots of good footage uh, after commercials in between plays of, um, just the history of the pac 12 man and uh it's sad
1: yeah i saw uh, forget what it was on whether it was on his social media or on like a uh, actual tv network but matt lineart had like a tribute to the pac 12 and cool video with all this stuff but obviously being from the west coast it's it's pretty sad what's happening there and the you know the breaking up of that conference but a lot of good memories. We still got one more game in that mm-hmm. conference that we'll be talking about once we get to halftime. For that, though. Mm-hmm. We got to talk NFL. Yeah. And we're doing our normal NFC, AFC, MVP top five races as we are getting into week 13 of the NFL season now. We'll start off with our AFC. Together, any audible mentions.
0: I'll shout out the Colts real quick. I think Shane Steichen has it figured out. They look pretty good, over 500 with a backup quarterback, so uh, that's respectable.
1: Yeah, I guess if I were to give a shout-out,
0: it would be to the Steelers. All right. So my number five is going to be the Buffalo Bills. I know they're 6-6. and Yes, I know they just lost. I understand. We usually don't move them up. But here are my real honorable mentions. Pittsburgh. We need to see some more before you know we know if the offense is actually good or not, if they just had one good week. Uh Cleveland doesn't have a quarterback. Houston can't beat anyone that's good. And Buffalo has a stretch coming up. I, I know that's kind of a hot take, but so far with Houston. They could always change, change it up for sure. But They're Buffalo being has the daddy with Burrow, yeah. so pretty damn good team. That's a good point, but I did rule them dead. <laughs> This was with Burrow, though. Oh, no, I know. with Browning. I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Uh, but but my, my point is, uh-huh. I understand Houston's good. They're going to be in the playoffs for sure. But this Kansas City, Dallas, and Chargers stretch coming up for the Bills will give them a legit shot because these are all the tiebreakers they need. If they can win two out of these games, they're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: My number five team is going to be Miami. They not on my list last week. They had a good showing against the Jets in a game that they were projected to win by a lot. Uh, So they still are kind of at the point where they don't have really any impressive wins uh, through their first 11 games of the season. And unfortunately, they don't really have a chance to get an impressive win until Christmas Eve, which is against the Cowboys. And that's, again, a team that hasn't beat a team over 500. So these next three weeks, between – against the commanders titans and jets we'll see how it goes for them if they lose any of those games they'll definitely be off my top five uh but they should be 11 and three going into uh, matchup against the cowboys but in total offense looks better than the week the week before defense is still kind of something i'm not too sold on but they've been getting the job done so miami goes to the five spot for me
0: all right um My four is going to be Jacksonville at eight and three. They got it done in Houston. They're looking like a a very well coached team this year, much more disciplined than when uh, Urban Meyer was in here. Doug Peterson is getting it done, and outside of that Niners game, they've been all right. I I guess I was a little harsh on them after getting blown out at home, but uh, you know they're eight and three for a reason. Yeah,
1: my number four spot is going to go to the Houston Texans sitting at six and five right now. I know that loss this past week against the Jags was pretty disappointing for a chance to really take over the division in the way that they'd have the tiebreaker over the Jags. And while the records wouldn't be too far apart, it would still you know mean quite a bit in the tiebreaker where you're only playing 17 games this season. They have a big game this week though, against the Broncos kind of a, a good test for both teams to kind of see how, I don't know if it's a test to see how good they are or it's just like who's real, who's not at this point. It's a game that's going to matter when it comes down to the AFC playoff race. So big one for them. I like the odds in it. Right, number three.
0: My number three is going to be Miami. Uh, up a couple spots from where you have them. Uh, the defense has been better, which is good. Of course, I thought they would have completely fallen apart by now. Um, you know, they did embarrass the Jets, which they were expected to do. It's good that they didn't mess around, let uh, Tim Boyle do anything, but Tua seems like he's gotten a little worse after each game this season, which is usually the opposite of what you want to see, so again, we got a, not an asterisk, but we got our eyes on Miami. Yeah.
1: My number three team is going to be Jacksonville. Talked about this a few weeks ago where they had the hiccup against the Niners, but as we said, teams are allowed their hiccup, and this is really first time, that was the first time since the Texans game in week three that they had their hiccup, so They rebounded since very well. Beat the Titans handily a couple weeks ago and then beat the Texans in their house last week. These next two games going against teams that don't have quarterbacks with the Bengals and the Browns, so they should be able to get those wins as well. And most likely probably pull away with the division is what I'd be assuming. So good job on the Jags. They look better than what they did a couple weeks ago, uh, but they're in a stretch of football where they've won seven of their last eight. So... Shout out to the Jacks, our number two.
0: Yeah, our number two here is going to be Baltimore, pretty easy. It was an ugly game against the Chargers, but they were missing Andrews. They really missed him in that one. But, of course, the revamped defense comes through again for them. It looks like uh, Baltimore might be the only team up in Kansas City's tier from the AFC this season.
1: Yeah. Baltimore is going to be my two-spot as well pretty easy choice for that uh like you said it wasn't the prettiest game against the chargers but they did what they had to do to get the win and it really wasn't it was a close game but it really didn't feel super close the entire time just because it kind of felt like baltimore had the the feeling of that game down from the get-go a couple hard games these next few weeks so they have the rams which are an interesting team we don't really know the true identity of them so far uh, and then the Jags and the Niners. After that, with the Dolphins coming up on New Year's Eve, so some big games down the stretch. But Baltimore's done well in them early part of the season. That's why they're nine and three. And I think they should be fine in, in those games as well too. On the number one,
0: yeah, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, good win in Vegas. They finished strong. Um, you just got to keep feeding Pacheco. Everything is so much easier when you can run the ball. That's my Kansas City note.
1: Yeah. Uh, I agree. Kansas City's obviously in the number one spot. They went on a 31-3 run against the Raiders after being down 14-0 to start. Uh, The thing that we saw these past years where the Chiefs have had struggles in the regular season is that they just had games where their run game wouldn't get going. But like you said, make sure Pacheco gets the ball. He's probably the best running back that they've had since Kareem Hunt in his first two years that he was there. So get him the ball. Make these games ugly down the stretch and, you know, maybe you might be a little bit more healthier down the sh- or once we get to the playoffs. I mean, that's exactly what the Chiefs need. They just got to have a healthy team and they should be fine in the AFC. Um, to the National Football Conference, Gather any teams that are not in your top five that you want to give a shout out to?
0: Seattle will be there. They have elite players all across the field. It's just not really turning into wins right now, so I couldn't put them in the top five.
1: Yeah. I love Seattle out as well too. Uh, Geno's play hasn't been as consistent as as it was last year to the point where you can really feel comfortable about them. Yes, they'll probably make the playoffs, but it's just a little too tough for me to to really put them in that five spot. And then another team I wanna give a shout out to is Green Bay. You know, five and six isn't the sexiest record, but they've had a couple good wins in a row. And being the Lions in Detroit didn't mean anything in the past 20 years, but it meant something this year. And it's a big win for Jordan Love, and we're seeing
0: perhaps the beginning of his stardom. So shout out to them. I'm number five. This may be stupid, but I'm going to have the Rams over the teams in the North in the NFC. Uh, They're 4-1 and at home, 5-6 and total, but they played very well in the division. They have a lot of players on the team who have done this whole late season push thing before. And I think it's definitely possible. Um, They have a quarterback. I can trust when he's healthy. And a lot of these NFC teams, I can't say that about.
1: Yeah, I actually also have the Rams at the five spot. And I was saying this, even at the beginning of the year, when they were winning all their games and they're sitting at two and three, I I thought this team was decent. You know, they went healthy. They are a solid squad that has a lot of weapons on offense and, Has some decent players on defense as well, too, even despite, you know, trading away Jalen Ramsey in this past season. The only thing that's tough for them is that they started off bad and they went out in a three-game losing streak a couple weeks ago. So getting the 10 wins, which is likely going to be the threshold for getting in the playoffs, might be a little bit tough. They have a a gateway in in the nine wins, at least with the Browns, Commanders, Saints, and Giants on their schedule. But they might have to win a game in Baltimore, in Santa Clara in order to get in the playoffs not that be tough but Got as to of right some now they, yeah as of right now I think they are the fifth best team in the NFC and that's exactly what we're doing here
0: on to number four the Lions are going to drop down a spot for me here um, that's three weeks in a row now of playing down to a mediocre team and I I'm sorry but the Cowboys are better
1: the Cowboys are four for me they're not fooling me. They do this every single year. They beat the shit out of the teams that they are favored by or favored in games. And it is did that again on Thanksgiving when you're 45 to 10. These last three games to them look like a college team, you know, like a number four Georgia going up against some, you know, five and six team in their conference. But it's so tough to really tell with, with this Dallas Cowboys team. And I know they have some games. You know, they have a stretch in these next five where they go Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. We're really going to, you know, see who they are at that point. But as of right now, I'm not not comfortable putting ahead of Lions or any of the other teams in that
0: Number three. So I do have the Cowboys at three, only going up one spot. Uh, and like you said, man, the real test starting right now, this uh, last quarter of the season or so, a little bit, more than a quarter actually playing some real NFL football teams. So, um, I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl or anything like that, no way, but they've been consistent.
1: Yeah, number three is going to be the Lions. I know they lost on Thanksgiving, uh, and they've had you know their hiccups throughout the season. So, this is a bad loss. I'm not penalizing them too much because I think they'll bounce back. They have some winnable games throughout the rest of the season. A couple against Josh Dobbs, who didn't look the greatest last night against Chicago. They have another game against the Bears, even though they played close to them a couple weeks ago. Play against the Saints team that struggled to score on offense. And then they have the Broncos and the Cowboys for two kind of toss up games. But I still like the Lions. I think what they do has the ability to be good in the playoffs where they can kind of control possession uh Goff hasn't been turned over the ball too much even though these past two weeks he, he has been uh and if they get back to their winning ways and play their brand of football they're going to be a really tough team to beat once it comes to playoffs so
0: they're like secretly an a AFC team hidden in the NFC Yeah, yeah I see that <laughs> even though it makes zero sense I see your analogy <laughs> On a number 2 Number 2 is the Niners of course um they've been a, a well-oiled machine ever since the uh, the losing streak ended and they're playing in Philly next week. That'll be great. That's all I got. Yeah,
1: yeah it's uh, same thing for me. Niners at two. It's gonna be good this week. I know Hufanga is hurt, but pretty much both these teams are fully healthy with the exception of one or two players, which happens every single NFL season. So it's not like the excuse in this game, unless the injuries happen in it for either team, is going to be like, "Oh, we got hurt" or whatever it is. So we're going to see a good football game most likely. Uh, it's too bad it's not on prime time but maybe that's a good thing with how these primetime games have going yeah. this year
0: number one yeah Philly awesome back and forth overtime win against Buffalo who you know I still believe is a dominant team um, and somehow their only losses to the Jets who were missing their top three corners uh, makes no sense at all man but that's football uh, and that's, that's your only loss then uh, that's your one hiccup right that's it nothing else since then
1: Billy gets by the Niners and by the Cowboys these next few weeks. They're really going to be kicking themselves for losing to the Jets because they would really be up there with that Dolphins team that went undefeated in the 70s. So, I mean, going back to what I said two minutes ago, we have pretty much two fully healthy teams going at it this weekend, which is going to be really fun to watch. And uh, two NFC juggernauts. We'll see who comes out on top. Billy hasn't looked the greatest through their first 11 games of the season. But regardless of the score, I'm seeing a whole lot of Ws, and that's what oh, yeah. matters when it's all said and done. So. so there's that W1 right now? Obviously, it's it, it could change quite easily next week. MVP race, Skyler. We're getting down to where we really got to put the right guys in at this point.
0: Anybody not in the top five that you want to talk about? Yeah, I got all the quarterbacks. Uh, You know, we've had a similar trend here this season where the quarterbacks haven't really seemed like the most valuable players on the field. So we got CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and of course, Jalen Hurts are going to be honorable mentions because they're most likely going to be in the top five when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah. My number five, I don't have any honorable mentions, bit of a shocker here. I'm putting Dak Prescott at the five spot. He has 25 touchdowns to six turnovers. This year, he's leading the Cowboys to an eight and three record, and I know I just said the knock on the Cowboys is that they're just destroying these teams that they should be beating by a ton of points, anyways. He's not turning the ball this year, and obviously, we have a chance to see that change over these next few weeks with the games that they have. Uh, you know, with the Niners or not the Niners, the uh, Eagles and the Seahawks and whatnot. Right now, I got to give Dak credit because he's been really good this year, and he's leading. One of the better teams in the NFC to play
0: off. Yeah. My number five is going to be a different defensive player. I'm going to do it finally. Deron Bland, Cowboys defensive back. Uh, He's done something no one else has ever done. Five pick sixes, not even Deion Sanders has done this. Um, Finally giving him credit where credit is due.
1: Yeah. I guess that would have a little mention. It would be Bland. Corners are just so hard to rate because it's like those crazy Uber outlier plays that he's had that really changed the games. And sometimes when, you know, when you only see it's like six plays, it's really tough to gauge how, how good he actually is. Obviously he's had a ton of pick sixes and NFL record now at this point. Let me, let me see one more and I'll put them on the list. <laughs> Number four for me though. Is going to be CJ Stroud, who pretty much stays in the same spot as he did last week. Uh, good game against the Jags. He didn't play bad, uh, and honestly, kind of got screwed on a play where it could have kept the drive going on a pass to Tank Dell, but they ended up ruined incomplete when it showed pretty clearly uh, on photos and the replay that Tank Dell was in bounds and would have kept the drive going and maybe would have led to points. Who knows? But CJ Stroud's still playing really well, only five interceptions at this point, and he's second in the league in, in yards just behind Sam Howell, which kind of has an asterisk in there because Sam Howell's just throwing the ball so much this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stroud's been amazing. Should he get an MVP at some point in his career, whether it's this year or not, we don't know, but he's
0: been awesome. Yeah, my number four is going to be my top quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Um, it was against the Raiders. Uh, who have their D B struggles. One of them was even released this week, but we don't need to go down that road. uh, because he had nearly a perfect passer rating again with some terrible outside receiver play. You know, we know the running back's been good. We know tight end's been good every week, but it's still pretty impressive that they lead the league in drops and he's still putting up some crazy numbers.
1: Yeah. Number three can be where I put CMC. He's got sixteen touchdowns and over thirteen hundred total yards. At this point in the season, which is absolutely ridiculous, leading the league in rushing by a landslide. he's been one of the best players in the best offense, or one of the best offenses. I don't know what the actual point per game is now at this point, but one of the best, the best player in one of the best offenses in the league is what I'm trying to say. And then see the same thing with my number two guy, but CMC definitely.
0: Oh, yeah. My number three is going to be TJ Watt moving up man another close defensive win and another two sacks for tj i mean if there was any year where we could get another defensive mvp this is probably the one if these other guys at the top start slowing down because every week i look for an excuse to move another quarterback on my list and i cannot take tj watt off yet
1: number two for me is going to be Tyreek kill uh over 1300 yards now at this point has 10 receiving touchdowns, which leads the National Football League. 88 receptions is only behind Keenan Allen, I think. Uh, he's still on pace for 2K. He's putting up ridiculous numbers, and he said he would put up ridiculous numbers.
0: So, Terry Kill is my number two. My number two, I'm going with CMC. Some controversy in our fantasy league with him, but none on the field. Another two touchdowns, crushed Seattle, thanks to him. Uh, he's been pretty nuts and Kyle would you ever trade your RB1 if you had one oh, I mean dude, the last RB1 I had was I think David Johnson that's been that long I would never trade CMC if I had him
1: yeah I, I'm giving a good no comment on that <laughs> okay <laughs> all right my MVP though through however many weeks that we are in the season, is going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, the guy who's now the, pretty much a complete batting favorite, even though he kind of, I would say lackluster, but he didn't perform the best to his ability that he could in the first like eight to 10 weeks of the season. But he's been really locked in and getting some good wins these past few weeks. He's now up to 11 rushing touchdowns and 18 passing touchdowns, which is 29 now at this point. Uh, sure, it's the touch push. But it's unstoppable because of how good he is and how strong he is and how good the offensive line is. He played really well in the game against Buffalo, especially in the second half and in overtime. Uh, and you can see it on his face, man. That, that guy's not going to smile until he's ho- hoisting the Lombardi. And uh, it's tough to say that he won't get it at some point in his career.
0: Mm. That's definitely fair. But I still have Tyreek at the top here. Nine for 100. A touchdown. They crush one of the best secondaries in the league. And they they've completely changed the game this year, man. I mean, when you have a quarterback who is on the verge of retirement because he's getting hit so hard, they completely change the offense, do something that's never happened before, get the ball out in two seconds, and that's not possible without Tyreek. I know you, you could make the uh the claim for Tua being on the list instead because he's the one running the offense, but I don't think you can do it with just Waddle. Yeah.
1: Good point. That's one of the reasons why Tyreek was at the top of my list for so long in this season, but it's a quarterback league, mm-hmm. and at some point, the quarterbacks are going to take over, whether their stats are overwhelming or not, and I think Hurts is doing that, especially to the voters, especially to the betting odds as well, too, and I think he's kind yeah. of got me in that, that hole as well now at this point. Moving on to Are They Dead? Part 3. I think we've each ruled about 10 teams dead now at this point. I have two more that I want to add to the list, but before we get into the ones that are dead, do you have any revivals from the dead that you want to make?
0: No, no, I'm good. Uh, (laughs) No, continue. I was
1: tempted to revive the Atlanta Falcons because they are leading the division right now. Mm Uh, and from when i ruled them dead they have a completely different quarterback and you can make your case for Bitter's not as good regardless they win more when he's in the game and i'm not doing it i don't think they win the division when it's all said and done i think the saints are will end up taking that division back and i know the falcons just beat them this past week but i have more faith in the saints and, and maybe even more faith in, in the buccaneers but yeah two teams The first of which is going to be the five and six Cincinnati Bengals. This team is not going to win a divisional game with Jake Browning. They can't move the ball with Jake Browning. He's not Joe Burrow. There's a reason they win with him and their offense is just going to be shit the rest of the season and their defense isn't the Steelers. So they can't really hold up to that point. So. Uh, The ED
0: dead. Yeah. yeah. I'm on board with you. I killed him last week. No need Mm -hmm. to move him around. Uh, man, yeah. get on Cincy.
1: The last one is gonna hurt. Together. I'm putting the braiders five and seven. I like the changes that we made, of course, with Kinner and McDaniels and some of the things that we did, but our offensive scheme just isn't there right now. And it should be there with the guys that we have on offense you know, two all pros plus Jacoby Myers, Hunter Rev uh, and Ian O'Connell, who's looked decent in the game, he actually looks really good rating wise. Uh, this past game against the Chiefs, but they're just—they're not there yet with the plays that they have, and, and the scheme that's in—that's in in Las Vegas right now isn't up to par with what's going on. Maybe if they had a better start to the season, they started off season two and two. Of course, I'm not ruling them dead, but with starting off how they did, and being at the point where they are now, it's really tough to get back unless you win out at that point. We definitely in there, so uh, I'm saying the Raiders are
0: dead. All right, well, I, I do have the Raiders written down, but I, I won't be killing off any teams this week. Uh, last week I feel like I uh I guessed right on a couple teams, and I'm gonna stand still right there. But next up is gonna be Vegas. Um, they're not dead yet just because there, there's a lot of teams in the AFC missing their quarterback. And Aiden O'Connell is uh, far from the biggest problem, I think. Definitely a problem. So they could be dead next week. But I'm going to keep them and Tampa Bay on the watch list. I can't really separate any of the NFC South teams from each other yet. I kind of want to wait. Well, you can separate one. Steps up.
1: You can separate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carolina.
0: Carolina (laughs) was the first team we killed, of course. Of course, but the other three. um, Just can somebody win two in a row? Man.
1: Very confusing division in the NFC South. We kind of saw this coming going into the season where there's just like no real team that has strengths throughout and every division kind of has one team that stands out from one another. Obviously, there's a few teams, a couple of good teams, but yeah, as talk, it's like they don't want to win at this point. That's kind of funny.
0: they all need quarterback.
1: Yeah. Did you seen stuff with the uh, Pepper, the Panthers Q or not QB uh owner, talking yeah. about how like they wanted CJ Stroud or something like that, and they didn't trade up to two, or they they traded up to one, of course, and took Bryce Young, but they thought Houston was gonna trade up for one and take Stroud or take Bryce Young and they're gonna be stuck with Stroud or something. I don't know. What he was saying was very confusing. It definitely was probably not the wisest things to say if you're the owner of a team, and it kind of is pretty embarrassing if you're Bryce Young to watch the owner of your team say that. But David Tepper's done some questionable things in the past. Like uh, a couple years ago, he handed a slip to, I think Matt Rule was the head coach at this point, and had a play on it that the Cleveland Browns ran in the week before. And he told Matt Rule to run the play. This is like a, on a Thursday, and told him to run the play on Sunday. And I think they ended up running. I forget what the exact story goes, but he's a questionable dude. I think he also owns the MLS team in Carolina as well, too. But
0: okay. Yeah, a little too uh, uh, hands on for me. You got to be uh, a, a crafter, a Jerry Jones to make those kind of decisions, in my opinion. Man, what a shit show. Uh, Shout out, you know, free, uh, free my guy McCown too. He got fired.
1: There's a lot of stuff going on in
0: Carolina. We'll see maybe like an urban Meyer
1: type situation. Maybe, I mean, Frank Reich's not urban Meyer in the way that he is screwed on straight, but there's a lot of messy things in Carolina right now. And that's why they're one in 10. So no first round pick be Hall of Fame ballot time. We have 26 people that are on the ballot this year. A whole bunch of first timers. I'll go over all of them right now. First off, Todd Helton, sixth year on the ballot, 72.2% of ballots last year. So he's very close to that threshold of 75%. Billy Wagner, ninth year on the ballot, 68% last year. Andrew Jones, seventh year, 58% on the ballot. Gary Sheffield, 10th and final year on the ballot, was at 55% last year. Carlos Beltran, second year on the ballot, 46.5% last year. Alex Rodriguez, third year on the ballot, 35.7% on the ballots last year. He's a controversial topic, of course. Next up, Manny Ramirez, 8th year on the ballot and only at 33.2%. Omar Vizquel, 7th year on the ballot, 195 Andy Pettit, 6th year on the ballot, 17% last year. Bobby Abreu, 5th year on the ballot, 15.4% last year. Jimmy Rollins, 3rd year on the ballots, only 12.9% last year. Mark Burley, 4th year on the ballot, 10.8%, as well as k Rod. Second year on the ballot, 10.8%, of course. Uh, Tory Hunter, fourth year on the ballot, 6.9%. Nice. Uh, and then we have a whole bunch of first-timers. Obviously, we not on the ballot last year, so we don't have a percentage. But Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, Chase Utley, David Wright, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holiday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Bautista, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, James Shields, and Brandon <laughs> Phillips.
0: James Shields, man.
1: A lot of guys on the list definitely won't get in. Uh, I was telling Skyler before this that I have a list of the guys who I would vote for and then I who I think would get in. Uh, I'll let you go first. How, how do you want to you know, organize this, Skyler?
0: Well, I, I started off with what the votes were last year. Like uh, a couple guys who I believe will get it.
1: Oh, so, all first, right. Well, how about we start with
0: existing? with Todd Helton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Todd Helton obviously on the 60 year, he's going to get in this year. He should have been in uh, probably a couple of years ago. The only concerns were that uh it's been a couple loaded ballots and he played at Coors Field. But mm-hmm. we know that it's it's it goes deeper than that, you know. When you play at Coors Field, it can be more difficult to play on the road and this guy hit 370 over a whole season. He's going to get in this year.
1: Yeah. Now Just below 400 homers, but does have 2,500 hits, 1,400 RBIs, hit 316 in his career. Uh, Baseball Reference has his stats, the Bill James Hall of Fame monitor, which is how they use uh, like hundreds average. So if you are 100, you are like right on the borderline of, you know, maybe you get in your 10th year. So below that number, you're not. Above that number, you eventually end up getting to like the first ballots and whatnot. He's at 175. So, think of it like o- OPS Plus or something like that, or WSV Plus. So, it's pretty easy stat to understand. He's at 175. So, they project him to get in. and I do think he ends up getting in this.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, the next guy I got on my list is Billy Wagner on his ninth year. Also, uh, only needs a couple more votes. So, I think either this year or next year, it, it should get the job done. Um, he's got better numbers than K-Rod and isn't a piece of shit. So... You know, this is a guy who, uh, what I like to say with the Hall of Fame stuff, you got to tell tell the story of Billy Wagner with the story of baseball, right? Billy Wagner's yeah. best left-handed closer of all time.
1: Yeah, no, I have Billy Wagner on my list as well, too. 422 saves. They have his Hall of Fame number at 107. So he's not, you know, as sure as a ballot yeah. as Todd Helen is when it comes down to you know, the stat crunching of, of this stuff. But Billy Wagner... If he doesn't get in this year, I definitely think he gets in next year, but I do think he ends up getting in this year,
0: for sure. All right. Well, my next guy on the list, Andrew Jones in his seventh year, the Atlanta Brave. I mean, this one just blows my mind every year that he doesn't get in. Ten gold gloves, would be all Platinums if they existed. Over 400 homers, 17 years of elite center field play. I mean, how is this guy not in the Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, he's definitely got the counting stats. Uh, not having 2,000 hits, I guess, would be the one thing that hurts him. And Thank you. Yeah, Hitting 254, then 823 OPS is not something that comes to mind when you look at the mid-2000s outfielder projections, but he has the glove, and he should end up getting in. I don't think he ends up getting in this year. I would mm. vote for him, but maybe year eight or year nine
0: is when he ends up getting in is what i think that's a fair projection that's kind of how it goes on these things um so my next couple guys are going to be some newer guys to the ballot here so the next guy i want to talk about carlos beltran in his second year it seems like it's the off-field stuff that's keeping him out obviously involved with the whole astro scandal but at the end of the day altuve is going to get in and so is beltran Man, legit five tool center fielder for 20 years. He got MVP votes at his age 35 season. You know, the voters are giving him the slap on the wrist because uh, some controversy, but it's that's just how they do this thing, man. If everyone all came together and said, Do we think he's eventually going to get in? Then, yeah, of course, he's Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, I think with his early projections, you know, being only second year on the ballot, and I'm 46% last year. We typically see this number go up every single season. You don't really ever see it go down. And Beltran's on pace to get in by, like, his seventh or eighth year at the absolute latest. I think he ends up getting in. However, if Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame, I'm not going to vote for Carlos Beltran. So
0: he's the guy left off. 100% about. fair. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, of Barry Bonds, the next guy I want to talk about is A-Rod, man, in his third Mm -hmm. year. Arguably one of the best shortstops of all time his first 10 years. But, of course, he was popped twice for steroids, lied about it, got caught. My thing is, if Barry Bonds didn't get in, this isn't a bad option to be the um, proto-leader of the steroid era in the Hall of Fame
1: it's it's so tough because i think if you were to put aaron in the hall of fame you have to go back and you have to put barry bonds in, and you have to put p rose in and you have to put all these other guys who were known juicers or not known juicers they get in because it's unfair uh what's hilarious though the hall of fame number i said todd helton's is 175 and for the average hall of famer it's like 100 for the number yeah alex rodriguez is at 390 so his number is like astronomically high. He has 117 career war, which is nearly double Todd Helen. So I just, everybody knows how good of a player A-Rod was, but that really puts you in perspective of how crazy this stuff is. I left him off my ballot. I wish he could get in because I absolutely loved A-Rod, but he will not be in the MLB Hall of Fame unless we see
0: reparations come in the future. Mm-hmm man. Um, just before we move on, man, it, the craziest thing for me, it makes me feel so old. These are guys we've seen play in person and now they're, they're in, on the hall of fame ballot. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. So I got one more guy with some controversy and then we'll move on to the next part of it. I got Andy Pettit on my ballot. Um, he's going to need a lot of help, including a rod has to get in, in my scenario first because Andy Pettit was also linked to steroids He admitted to it. He used it a couple of times to rehab from injury. He claims he is not a cheater. He shouldn't be viewed like some others. My view here is that he was one of the best postseason pitchers I've ever seen in my life. You know, maybe other than Doc Halliday, Roger Clemens. He's a five-time World Series winner. He has the second most pickoffs of all time, arguably the best pickoff move ever. And he has more Cy Young Award votes. Than anybody on this ballot. So that's why I included him.
1: Yeah, Pettit's weird. He, he's a guy, obviously, great postseason performer, but his regular season numbers, like, they don't scream Hall of Famer mm-hmm. at you. His career is 385. It's not like he was posting consistent sub twos or sub threes his entire career. He had some bad seasons in there, and I think that's what unfortunately will end up costing him. Uh obviously, you know, the juicing stuff too and with injuries or, or whatnot, it's really tough yeah. to get people's, you know, true word for that. The numbers show that he will not get in, uh, unless he gets some crazy jump in his vote these next few years. But perfect world I'd vote him in. I didn't get to today's game. I don't
0: Uh, again 100 percent respect that opinion man i just want to talk about pettit because that's one of the dudes i grew up idolizing as a pitcher and of course it hurts knowing he's a ped user um but we're in a weird weird era right now all right so the next group here i want to talk about is a couple of first timers on the ballot we're going to circle back around don't worry everybody but um Let's talk about Adrian Beltre because this man is a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer over 3000 hits, 400 homers, platinum, gold gloves, absolute menace wherever he went his entire career. And I love watching this guy.
1: Yeah, it's good when we have a clear first ballot Hall of Famer and we have that in Adrian Beltre. So he's going to get in. I have him getting in. I picked him to get in as well too. 93 career war. He has got his stats. He played for a long time, and he's, he's well-liked by a lot of the guys as well, too. So oh, yeah. I, I think Beltre gets in without a doubt in his
0: first chance. 100%. Another first-timer here who will get in. It's just a matter of when. It's going to be Joe Maurer on his first year. Catcher is an insanely difficult position to play, especially when you have a guy who had 365 and 28 homers in a season. That'll never go unnoticed. You know, 2,000 hits from a catcher is usually a lock. And in here, before we get into why he might not get in on his first year, um, if Joe Maurer's not a Hall of Famer at catcher, who is? Is it only Yadi Molina? Is that it? And, and Posey? Because the knock on him is that about 40% of his career was at first base, and he didn't hit for a lot of power. Um, but he's going to get in in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's a first ballot which sucks because Joe Mauer is one of those dudes growing up when we did where he was kind of just like, when we started learning about baseball, he was he was like one of the guys in the MLB. Yeah. and He had one of the best catcher primes that we've ever seen in MLB history. And while it might have been a short prime and he might have battled a ton of injury and that ended up being the thing that moves him to first base, he's going to get in. He does not get in this year. And I think that's pretty much understood by people that really have knowledge of this stuff, but he will get in, whether it's, you know, year four or year six, whatever it is, Joe Maurer will be a hall of famer once he's done
0: with his ten years. All right. I got one more first year guy here. I want to talk about, I'm sure there's another one you may want to talk about afterwards, but I do have David Wright on my ballot here. The captain, in my opinion, he's just some bad injury of luck from being a first ballot guy. You got to compare him to Maurer, another guy from the same era with a very high peak, just doesn't have the longevity. And, you know, again, another situation where I 100% get it if you don't have him. But I'm just using the eye test on him. I had an extra spot on the ballot. You get 10. I like to use all 10 in my hypothetical scenarios. And if you've ever watched David Wright play, you know he belongs in Cooperstown.
1: Yeah, this one hurts because I don't have David Wright. Uh, And the injuries are just the the only thing that matters here, unfortunately. He didn't play long enough. I mean, this dude was so fucking good. He's like a 30-30 guy from the third base possession is just something that you don't see. Modern baseball, yeah, you don't see from, you know, not prehistoric baseball, but like old timer baseball, Mm -hmm. 30, 30 as a third baseman doesn't happen while also being one of the best defenders at the position. Uh, And he's just like Maurer where he had one of the best third baseman peaks that we've seen in MLB history, but he just wasn't good and healthy long enough. And I think that's going to hurt him. And as much as I would love to say that he gets in and I don't think he does, he's definitely not a first ballot, of course, but, I don't think he gets in in his 10 years, which is, is, is honestly sad to say because David Wright is one of the most likable guys that
0: is on mm-hmm. the ballot. I mean, my, my pick for David Wright is more so that he stays on the ballot for a couple of years and then maybe we'll have a couple weak years where he can rise up. You know, a couple of guys have done it. So I've picked nine guys so far. I have one spot left and it's going to be Gary Sheffield on his last year for me. And I, I I know I have a lot of explaining to do, so let's just get right into it. My last vote's going to go to Gary Sheffield because he's in his last year. All right, he was named in the Mitchell Report. He was a part of the Balco scandal. He admitted to steroids in 07. He was roommates with Barry Bonds, but he says he claims he didn't know it was HGH. He was never suspended. But what we do know is that if he did take HGH and O2 with bonds, he already had 17 years under his belt, 500 homers, 300 average world series ring and 10th year guys usually get a massive boots boost. Excuse me. Thanks to the, all the new numbers we get, you know, baseball reference, which I'm sure both of us were on today, double checking some stuff. The issue is that he would be the first hundred percent confirmed steroid guy. Um, when guys like Bonds and Clemens aren't in. I, again, I'm doing it just to talk about his story, you know, just to give him a shot, really. Because I, although I love a guy like Chase Utley, everyone hates him. I love a guy like Bartolo. He's a hollow, very good guy. And he took steroids as well.
1: He's a hall of very long guy. That's <laughs> yeah. what helps Bartolo. He just played <laughs> so damn long.
0: But yeah, I mean, that's that's my take for Gary Sheffield. It's just a guy I want to talk about. And, uh, you know, he was never suspended. Manny was popped suspended multiple times I, I couldn't include Manny so Gary Sheffield's the closest 500 Homer guy we have you know I just want to talk about him that's pretty much it yeah uh,
1: I in my case for Sheffield or against Sheffield I guess in, in this particular way yeah is that if he is the first known steroid user in the Hall of Fame I would be so pissed off. Because mm. if you're going to include one guy, you're going to include a borderline Hall of Famer, Gary Sheffield. Like, he was getting he was good in his career. And he, if he didn't take steroids, deserves to be in it. But there's so many other guys that deserve to be in it. I'd rather have it be A-Rod than Sheffield. I agree. And 100%. I think the vote kind of indicates that as well, too, in the way that A-Rod's was year two last year and was at 37 or 36% and Sheffield was only at 55 in year nine. I do think in that 20% is going to be hard. That's that's honestly a lot of more votes that he has to get. Uh, but the other guy I want to talk about. Yeah. It's going to be Chase Utley. He, in my opinion, definitely deserves to be a Hall of Famer. And I think he will be once it's year 10. Uh, I think he ends up probably getting in like a year four, year five, 64 career war is pretty damn good, and that's that's right on par for like Andrew Jones and Todd Helton for the guys that end up getting in. But when you look at his peak, uh, and I love the stat that Baseball Reference has, it's it's called War Seven. It takes your best seven seasons of war and adds them together to kind of see how good you were, your peak was. And his peak, better than Beltron, better than Andrew Jones, better than Todd Helton better than Adrian Beltre, better than Joe Maurer, better than David Wright, better than Bobby Abreu, better than Jimmy Rollins. 49 more over seven seasons is a very high number. Yeah, And I think that's that's why Chase Utley ends up getting in. He has the, you know, kind of low on the counting stats where he didn't get to 2,000 hits. He played, got gold gloves, got World Series, might not be the most liked guy but I think he's a guy who has enough on his resume to be a guy who ends up getting in about halfway through his, his stay on the hall of fame. Doc.
0: Case ugly was one of my favorite players growing up, man. I love yeah. him. But my thing yeah, is so- if Kurt Schilling didn't get in and he was the greatest <laughs> pitcher of his era, just cause he, you know, a couple of off field things, a couple of injuries, a couple of uh, F bombs to the media. And he doesn't get in; it's gonna to be tough for Chase Otley, man.
1: Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about a few other guys actually, just yeah, real quick, not too much. Manny Ramirez won't get in. Because he was ridiculously fun to watch. Yeah. Bobby Brayu, shockingly, a guy who has numbers that could get in, but won't, based yeah. off of his, his his voting, which is interesting. Jimmy Rollins. Obviously universally liked, very much liked in the Bay Area, being from the Bay Area, but the voting indicates he won't end up getting in. K Rod had ten point eight on the ballot last year, has more saves than Billy Wagner, which is kind of his his reasoning this year, I would say, in the way that oh well, if you're gonna, you know, put Billy Wagner on the list, you gotta put a guy that has more saves than him on the list. But yeah. I don't think that ends up going too well for him. No. Uh other guys Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, guys that got over two thousand hits, which would be cool to see, you know, kind of get their name tossed around in there. They won't, but obviously a couple guys that we grew up watching, especially yes. Jose Reyes, and kind of like the you know cool guy image he had for for people our age. They won't get out of it, but we just saw V-Mart
0: v- in person a couple times, and uh, you know it, it was awesome. But I wasn't saying, wow, there goes a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah. And then Jose Bautista, the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he didn't have a subpar first six seasons of his career before he went to Toronto, he'd probably be getting in uh, in the way that he'd probably have 500 homers. But he only has 344, only 344, which is kind of crazy to say. But he had a really, really good prime in Toronto, of course.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like... Um... Once Nelson Cruz is eligible, he'll be the, you know, the next DH. Um, the other guys, uh, just, they just don't have it, you know, yeah. not the eye test. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I look oh, forward yeah. to doing that next year. Yes, sir. awesome exercise, man. <laughs> I, well, I look forward to see the numbers too, to like see who has a legit chance to stay on the ballot. Yeah, I think a lot of good there's, players. there's been two or three ballots
1: released at this point. Uh, one of them was, un- or not unanimous, uh, anonymous, and it had like two people on it. I was like, okay, why the That's, fuck
0: do you just give up your entitled- vote? Dude.
1: Yeah, it's just too entitled. People trying to, like, if you're going to do that, at least let us know who you are. Like, Bob Nightingale, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, come on, dude. We know you're there. But uh, in the basketball, we go. Oh, yeah. You're kind of doing it somewhat like the NFL do our west top five east top five mm-hmm. and only mvp top three but uh we're still super early in the nba season we're not going to be doing this every week but we had some time this week and figured we'd check into the nba when we're about 15 20 games in the season West top five, Scott. I guess we'll get right into it. Do you have any teams that did not make it
0: that you no, want to talk about? I uh, I went away from the honorable mentions. Of course, the Warriors are an elite team that just don't have it these past couple weeks, and they'll be mm-hmm. be in the hunt. But I, I'm i not worried about honorable mentions this early. Yeah, uh,
1: I guess I will mention a few teams that I didn't make the list. Dallas didn't make the list for me. Sacramento didn't make the list for me. The Lakers and Dubs didn't make the list for me as well, too. A lot of those teams – battling you know, early season injuries whether you guys are out for a long time or a short time. Haven't played, I mean Dallas has played better than what I expected, but haven't played up to the par where I think they deserve to be in the top five. But my number five team mm-hmm. is going to be the Houston Rockets. Ime Udoka comes in there completely changes everything. Obviously they added a few people in the offseason, specifically Fred Vansley and Dylan Brooks, but I did not think it would turn out this good. Dan fleet has been good. Dylan Brooks has been better than expected. Alperen Sangoon has turned into a legitimate, you know, potential future MVP type player in the way that he's, you know, averaging 29 and 6 at this point in the season. They're only in 6, so haven't played as many games as some of the other teams, which is kind of weird to say mm-hmm. that that's how the schedule goes, but... The Rockets have been really good, and they've been being some teams that are solid as well, too.
0: So at my five spot, I have Dallas over Houston. For me, it's uh, it's more about the eye test this early in the season. So with Dallas, the defense takes a hit with Luka and Kyrie playing together, but they can keep up with anyone right now. They're always going to be dangerous.
1: Yeah. Number four is going to be OKC, the second-best record in the Western Conference right now at 11-5. and five. I didn't put them above specifically one other team that i'll talk about in a minute but i just as good as okc team is right now i gotta see them weather the storm a little bit more and you know get into 40 games 45 games in the season and still be up there because a lot of those guys you haven't played the eighty-two. they even even shea who played like all the last year it half those games didn't mean anything and, and i ended up making them play him, but it just it felt that way with some of the guys that he was playing with and I think he will be fine whether in a storm, but whether we can see Chet, you know, consistently play come game 60 and whether Josh Kitty's on the court or not. And I love Jalen Williams, but to see how he, you know, handles playing in some big games throughout the season is going to be interesting to see. I like the Thunder a lot, but I can't put him higher than four right now.
0: Okay. Well, at my fourth spot, I do have Sacramento sticking in here. I'm I'm buying in, I guess. Uh, it, It looks like everyone from last year just got a little bit better you know, Fox is up to 30 a game. They're really hot right now. They won at Dallas, at Minnesota, at the Lakers over the last 2 weeks. It's, those are some quality wins right there. Those are top 7 teams in the West. And Sac looks pretty good. They got a big game against the Warriors pretty soon. All
1: right, Nicholas and Alex. Mhm. Number 3 for me is going to be the top team in the Western Conference right now at 12 and 4, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have the third or second best defense when it comes to points per game or opponents' points per game right now. Anthony Edwards is having that jump that we have been looking for from him. And the factor of being consistent, more often I think is the biggest thing with him. We've seen the breakout performances, and next thing you know, he has nine points the next night. And he's not having those games. He's averaging consistently, I think, 26 points per game right now. Uh, And they've been the best team so far in the Western Conference for a good reason. They're healthy. Cats good. Gobert's good. And they got some pieces around them as well too that that really make that team kind of not be you know a fringe playing team anymore. I think they're they should be quite easily in if they stay healthy as a playoff team in the top six come you know April or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, my number three team, I'm going with OKC. Uh, six and one on the road this year is is great in the NBA, man. Especially in the regular season, people don't talk about that you know we'll get into the load management stuff later with some of these teams so with OKC it's not a problem so far SGA and Chet are elite that's going to be a great combination man uh ever since that that crazy warriors game for the tournament they've they've been even better than we can imagine right. you know we could talk about giddy but i in my opinion he was getting faded out anyways so i don't care what happens to him um that's just the way it goes sometimes uh that's okay c yeah.
1: Number two, I went with the Phoenix Suns sitting at 11-6 and right now. Winners of seven in a row, scoring 117 points per game, only behind the Thunder and the Mavericks, who allow a bit more points. Uh, But Phoenix has been good. They've been paddling entries as well, too. Uh, And when they have a healthy trio of Debo, Beal, and KD on the floor for more than, I don't know, a six-minute stretch or whatever it is, this thing is, is scary.
0: Well, at the two spot I don't have Phoenix. I have Minnesota. Uh like you said, an elite defense. I believe it's number 2 right now in, in most of the metrics. Uh and they're actually letting Ant take the reins to try to become a superstar. So I'm okay with uh with what's going on right now because you'll never know if you don't try. And yeah. uh we'll see what happens if Gobert and Cat can't play together in the fourth quarter because they, you know, can't move as quick as uh, you know, an OKC number 4. But as of right now, they're doing just fine.
1: Yeah. Number one, the reigning champs,
0: the Denver Nuggets are
1: are still in the one spot for me. 12-6, and you know, maybe not as good. That's a good record, of course. But maybe, you know, not as good as a record in the way that we didn't expect them to be a three seed behind the Timberwolves and OKC after the first three weeks of the season. But they've been good. They've been just fine. Uh, And I think they'll continue to be within that you know sixty seven win
0: percent type spot. Yeah, Denver at the top still. You know, twelve and six while clearly not being at full strength. It's not a big deal for me. You're going to lose some games when Reggie Jackson and KCP are running the offense and they're guarding the best players on the floor every night. They're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. On the Eastern Conference, which is a lot more interesting, at least in the front end. Then uh is at this point. I do not have any honorable mentions. Do you have any team you want to talk about? Uh no. No. I'm afraid to. <laughs> uh, number five then, Skyler. Who do you got?
0: All right. Well, I got Miami at five. Um, another team that's not at full strength, uh, but they do have enough depth to survive the regular season. They they're gonna be in the mix for another finals appearance, no matter what happens.
1: <laughs> I can't believe this.
0: I have the Pacers
1: at five. They score 127 points per game, Skyler, which is the most in the NBA. But they also allow 125 points per game, which is also the most in the NBA, I believe. Yeah, it it is. So they play at that quick pace. Tyrese Halliburton has just been ridiculously good. Playing at that pace for 82 games is going to be tough because some guys are just going to get tired throughout the season when you had back-to-backs and you just ran three miles in-, in the night before. However, I love the Pacers and what they're doing. I've been a huge fan of Tyrese Hallibur, and Ever since he was in Sacramento, I said a couple years ago that he's going to get a start at Indiana. Uh, and I think that's a very realistic thing that he's going to get, you know, somebody else to come play with him because yeah. he's going to get the ball a shit ton. He has 12 mm-hmm. assists a game, man, and he- he's – where i put him as a point guard i don't know two or three at this point obviously but he's really damn good
0: absolutely well uh number four i got milwaukee here uh played a lot of close games this year due to them not did really you say playing. you're five um yeah yeah miami oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but anyways milwaukee not playing in a lot of defense like uh some other teams indiana um but things have improved 12 and five in the Eastern conference the, you know, and they're not worried about the regular season once the cup is over here in the East. So Milwaukee's going to get wins. They have two of the best players in the league.
1: Yeah. In complete contrast to the Pacers. I have the Orlando magic at the four spot for me. They're 12 and five winners of seven in a row. And when you just look at their team, you'd be like, okay, well, how in the hell is this team 12 and five? And it's just because they get consistent numbers from a lot of guys on their team. They have Ben Carroll, who's averaging pretty much 20 points per game at this point. Franz Wagner, who's averaging 19.5. Cole Anthony's has 15 points per game off the bench. Mo Wagner has 12 and a half points off the bench. Jalen Suggs has been playing well. They play really good defense, only 107 points of HUD per game. I said that 20 years ago, people would be killing me, but they play good defense, it might not be, you know, the best brand of basketball when it comes to putting them on TNT and ESPN every night, but they play a brand of basketball that wins games in the regular season, and they're doing that right now uh, down there in Orlando.
0: Yeah, well, I also got the magic here. Number three, one spot up. Uh, I'll take this uh, a different route here. Paulo, to me, seems like the kind of guy whose legacy will end up being the Pippin to a different number one. But so far this year, the Magic look great. They're really young. Things can change. Great pieces, great defense. They just smacked Boston on Friday. So obviously things are moving quickly here. I just don't know if they're going to be winning tough playoff series. Yeah.
1: Number three for me is going to be where I put Philly. So besides the market is Orlando Magic, they're one spot ahead of them just because I trust them a bit more than what I do for Orlando. They've been there before, not past the second round, but they've been in the playoffs, which I think is a big thing. Of course, I thought this team would not look as good as they have been after losing Harden, and I know I don't call him a can I guess he was a cancer on the team, but yeah, he had his own issues. But mm. regardless. Maxi stepped up and he's been amazing, and Philly's twelve and five for good
0: reason. Yeah, uh, Philly is my number two. A uh, lot of people complaining about Embiid this year, flopping, not playing defense. But when you actually watch the game, you see he's got thirty-five and twelve every night, and he's playing every big man tough. Maxi taking that next step we are all expecting him to do, no problem, and uh, and they look pretty good.
1: My number two going to be Milwaukee. Also twelve and five. How can you not put this team up there?
0: Yeah. All right. Boston at the top, very hot, eight and ten. Chris stops fitting in nicely. Drew Holiday taking a little bit of time, but will they be deep enough for a playoff run? Only time will tell, man. Yeah.
1: I also right, have Boston number one going a bit quicker now because we only got five yeah. minutes and thirty seconds to get through this stuff response is my number one i don't really think i need to give much of a reasoning on to MVP top three the two honorable mentions i have tyrese Halliburton, who's averaging the most assists in the league and anthony edwards who is on one of the best teams in the league and playing really well
0: uh do you have any honorable mentions i'll take those two man awesome
1: number three sga Gilders alexander averaging 36 and six now at this point in the season been really good on a good team, and I think that's what you have to be in the NBA.
0: Yeah, man. Luka Doncic, another year of 38 and 8, trying to keep Dallas afloat. That's my number three. He was my preseason pick.
1: Yeah, Luka's my two, 38 and 8, leading Dallas to a better record than what I expected.
0: Mm-hmm. Number two, Nikola Jokic, somehow even quicker, even better, 29 and 13, literally hurt his back trying to carry this team without Murray.
1: My number one through however many weeks it's been at this point of the season, is going to be Joel Embiid, 32, 11, and 7. That's ridiculous from the center. And I know Jokic is good, but he doesn't average that same amount of points, and Embiid's been killing
0: it in Philly with less. Yeah, uh, right beside you, man. First in points per game, proving everybody wrong. He's just, for some reason, not loved by the media. Yeah
1: conference championship picks is going to be rough. <laughs> Maybe we post those on Twitter. We can yeah, do that. that's a good
0: idea. That's Instead, a good idea. So we can move uh, on to uh, to the layups. But we do have some good games we'll definitely talk about at some point. Of course,
1: yeah. Uh, layup pool predictions last week was a good week for us. We went 3-4 total uh, layups. We went 2-2. Two for two. I had the Thanksgiving game between Washington and Dallas going over 48.5. It got to 55, so that was good there. Skyler had LSU minus 11.5 versus Texas A&M. They don't look good originally. Ended up getting it done when it's all said and done. So good mm-hmm. job, just Gather there. This week, I have Miami and Washington over 50.5. Kind of same thing I said last week with Washington. Washington and Dallas, these two teams are going to pass the ball a lot. Might be a couple pick sixes. They're going to score. Give me that one.
0: All right. I'm going with some college football here. One of those championship games, Florida State. Minus two and a half against Louisville. Louisville lost last week. Florida State does have the backup quarterback, but so many weapons—they're bound to win by a field goal. Yeah.
1: Last week, bowl prediction: I had the Giants over the New England Patriots. They were four-point dogs at the time the game started. You could have told me that New England was going to sell that game, and it ended up happening. Skyler had Tampa Bay over Indianapolis. Was a close one, kind of throughout. Ended up not getting it done, though. So that's a red for Skyler this week. Uh Philly is an underdog at home when they're 10-1. Regardless of how I think the game's gonna go, I have to take that as my bowl prediction. That's plus money, and I think they have a 50% chance to win. So
0: that's how you win. Yeah, I'm going with the American conference championship game. SMU will upset Tulane on the road here. The winner of this game likely go into one of those big bowl games that the one group of five gets to go to, and it's just a, a great quarterback matchup that no one's talking about. Preston Stone, SMU, a little younger, will play in the NFL. Michael Pratt, Tulane, will be drafted in the first four rounds next year. These guys will get some action. It's going to be a fun game that no one knows about. And that's what we got, man. Yeah,
1: a lot of good stuff in college football this week. Uh, again, I guess look out for those picks on Twitter for, for me and Skylar and maybe a couple other people as well too. Yeah. Kind of a long episode, but it was a fun one. We talked about a lot of things. It's funny how we were worried about yesterday of trying to find enough things to talk about. And yeah. I think we probably talked about the most things that we've said in the past, a While I don't know, six months or so. Not at this point, maybe one of our previews had more, but fun episode. We will see you next week for episode
0: 169. Motherfucker. <laughs> yes, sir. 169, man. Let's go. Let's go SMU. Let's get some craziness in the college football playoff, man. Let's get... S- Michigan losing to Iowa on a fake punt. (laughs) Let's go Oakland ballers. Oh, yeah. That's a great one to end on. We'll see you guys next week.